Talk 1110-993-WBT. 704-570-1110 and 1-800-WBT-1110. Those are the phone numbers. My name is Pete Callender. You can email me, Pete, at thepetecallendershow.com, and the Twitter handle is at Pete Callender. And remember, you get the uh, podcast. It comes right to your smartphone or tablet every single day, three times a day, because every hour is its own podcast. See that? There you go. So, like, Bernie's working on the second one right now. So you already got one. You're about to get the second one. And then shortly after 3 p.m., you'll get the third. We're givers. What can I say? WRAL's Laura Leslie reporting that with the 2023 session just one day old, Republican legislative leaders in North Carolina say they are already working on a proposal for more restrictive abortion laws than the state's current ban at 20 weeks. Don't know what we're going to do if we can't kill all these babies. All right, so what's still unknown, observers say, is whether House and Senate Republicans can find unified support rather for a given proposal and how its passage might or might not affect the 2024 elections. So right now... We have a 20-week ban in North Carolina. And uh, the North Carolina General Assembly gathered. They gaveled into session last week, but now they're going to take a couple weeks off where they're kind of uh, uh, getting everything in order for the, uh, you know, for the upcoming session. This is the long session. So, you know, like committee work is getting laid out and they're getting stuff set, whatever. So they do this press conference. The uh, Speaker of the House, Tim Moore, and the Senate leader, uh, Phil Berger, and they talk about various things that, you know, their priorities for what the uh, the upcoming session could hold. And uh, one of them is about abortion law. And in North Carolina, we have a 20-week uh, ban after 20 weeks, right? And what Berger and Moore have suggested is uh, they may be looking at something like a 13-week ban, moving that forward, and including exemptions for rape, incest, the life of the mother, and if the child would not live. So that so, right? The, these are the elements of a potential piece of legislation. Pro-life groups not happy. They want a ban. They want six weeks. They want the heartbeat bill. Right. So there, and there are different uh, different groups with different opinions about what they are willing to settle for and what they're going to lobby for, and they're going to they're going to make their pitch. And on the other side, right, you got the abortion providers, and they're like abortion on demand at any point, whatever. Um, so they're not going to be happy with any of this. Tim Moore said, "Whatever the Speaker of the House, whatever the issue is, you can go too far one way or the other." And I think that uh, what you'll continue to see from the House is to try to take a reasonable, common-sense position, which is why we've been able to get a lot of bipartisan support on bills, he said. He also expects some Democrats will support a 13-week ban. I will tell you that I've had a couple of Democrats that when I mentioned that idea to them, they go, I can do that. So, do you take half the loaf here? If you can get 13 weeks... Do you take it and then come back and fight later for 20? Or 
or or not twenty uh, for uh, for the heartbeat bill for six, right? Or or a ban outright? Like, do you do you try to go so far towards the pro life position that you don't get any Democrats with you? Maybe even lose a couple of Republicans. I doubt it, but maybe you do. I don't know. But you go that far and then risk a backlash at the polls. If you believe, by the way, there would be a backlash at the polls, and I'm not so sure, but I think a 13-week ban is a reasonable point to go for. Because politically, also, you got to keep in mind that when you go for 13 weeks, then you're putting the Democrats on defense for having to defend why they don't think 13 weeks is appropriate. That they're going to have to explain why 13 weeks is not good. Andrew Dunn, we've had him on the program a bunch. He's the uh, writer at Longleaf Politics. Andrew used to be a reporter. He used to work at uh, Dan Forrest's office as lieutenant governor. I think he worked on the campaign for Dan Forrest. And he said he called this a test balloon. That what the legislative leaders did was send out a test balloon on the type of abortion bill currently in the works. So we don't have details, but we have sort of a framework, a limit set at 13 weeks with exceptions. The bill doesn't go nearly as far as pro-life constituents want, but it would protect unborn babies significantly earlier than the current law that sets the abortion cutoff at 20 weeks. It also has a good chance of overcoming a veto from Governor... Uh, my good friend Ray Cooper, right? Because a 13-week ban, that's a relatively moderate abortion bill. And you're going to get rural, moderate, religious Democrats, guys like Michael Ray or Garland Pierce, state representatives, right? They might cross party lines to override that veto, particularly if Ray Cooper is now a lame duck, not running, can't run again for governor. Meanwhile, you had the March for Life, and uh, tip of the hat to the McClatchy folks who finally covered it. Um, that's nice to see. I remember for years, media would not cover the March for Life at, up in D.C. or even uh, locally. So there was another March for Life. It was in Raleigh. Uh, and uh, Lieutenant Governor Mark Robinson spoke to the crowd. And he said that North Carolina should become a destination state for life rather than abortion. Since the Dobbs decision put control over the question back to the states, North Carolina has emerged as the southeastern state with among the most permissive abortion laws. There was, um, we saw, Christy and I saw when we were coming back from Atlanta, we saw a billboard welcoming people into North Carolina for abortions. So that's the kind of state the left is angling for us to be one that celebrates your abortion. Lieutenant Governor Mark Robinson says we should be we should be a destination state for life. Robinson said that North Carolina should lead the way not by passing the most strict abortion bill, but by giving mothers the support they need and ensuring that children grow up in an environment where they can succeed. This is the right message, I think. This is the right message. That you've, you've got to provide the services through public-private partnerships, through nonprofits, through churches, right? You've got to provide the services to help women make the choice for life. To me, this is the right message. 
And if you're pitching that message and you're funding that message and you actually believe in that message and you're doing that work, then I think that that probably goes a long way uh, to mitigating attacks against you when you propose a 13-week ban, when you go from 20 weeks down to 13 weeks, right? Now, again, this is this is gaming out the the political question, the the game theory, if you will. This is not talking about abortion as the the procedure and the ethics and all of that. I've made my position on abortion pretty clear, I think, for the for years now. Um, but this is this is the the question that Republicans and Democrats are looking at as they take up bills like this. Do you go for the half loaf now, or do you go for a full loaf and not get any of it? Is thirteen is a thirteen week ban better than a twenty week ban? I would submit yes, it is. So can you can you get there? And if you can get there, and then come back later and try to get something else down the road, doesn't it make sense to get there now? And then keep working to get further. Uh, to me, that makes the most amount of sense. Take the win, get a win where you can. And maybe then people realize this isn't that big of a deal. Nobody really nobody really sees that this is, you know, impactful. It doesn't change anything. And so, okay, well, it must not have been that big of a deal. And maybe that uh, mitigates some of the arguments on the other side. Also, the uh, Speaker of the House and the Senate uh, President Pro Tem were in Charlotte at the chamber, or whatever they call themselves now. What is it? The regional something whatever. So they were at the chamber. They did a big uh, uh, Q&A deal. And um, so the mass transit plan, apparently it's dead, dead on arrival. That seems to be, uh, yeah, that seems to be the take now. It's a $13 billion mass transit plan. City of Charlotte needs legislative approval, though, because the city leaders want to hit everybody up for another penny on the sales tax. Pretty regressive. Pretty regressive, no? They want to hit everybody up for another penny sales tax, and they want to build new light rail lines and some bike lanes and bus routes. Not really a lot of roads, though. And uh, that drew criticism from Tim Moore. Andrew Dunn, writing at Longleaf Politics. Highly recommend. It's free. You can subscribe. It's on Substack, Longleaf Politics. The city of Charlotte wants to spend $13 billion on mass transit within its borders, primarily focused on building new light rail lines, but also creating new bike lanes and bus routes. To do so, city leaders would like the General Assembly uh, to approve... The ability to go to voters and ask for a sales tax increase. One cent is what they're uh, looking uh, to ask us. Well, I say us. I'm not inside city limits anymore. I'm right outside Charlotte city limits. Like one of the last pieces of unincorporated Mecklenburg County, which means I get to be controlled by their zoning laws, but I don't get to vote for any city council members. All right. So House Speaker Tim Moore said that the idea is basically dead on arrival. Rather than focus on creating new ways to get around, 
Tim Moore said the city should instead make it easier to drive. And that, of course, prompted outrage among the uh, the bicyclists and uh, the sustained Charlottes and the, uh, well, the progressives, basically. Which want to go, this is what, like, what did, what do, uh, what did progressives uh, use to get around before bicycles? The car. That's... <laughs> It's the same joke as electricity with candles, right? What did progressives use before they use candles? Electricity, right? Okay, so um, Tim Moore says not going to happen. You need to focus on building roads and getting people around. Um, Charlotte has squandered basically all of the goodwill that it had on transportation issues when it sunk hundreds of millions of dollars on a streetcar project with terrible service and virtually no ridership. Now, see, Andrew Dunn ignores... The, the reason why we got the streetcar. I mean, yes, we wasted hundreds of millions of dollars. Yes, okay, terrible service. Okay, yes, no ridership. But the key here is it got Anthony Fox a job. That's really the important thing here, right? I think we can all agree that it was vital that we got Anthony Fox into the Obama administration, and then into the private sector. I think he still works in the transportation industry, and he may be a lobbyist at this point or something, working for a company or something that does these types of uh, uh, construction of the trains or trolleys or something. I've lost track. But Anthony Fox, for, for folks who don't remember, we built the South Corridor light rail line with the sales tax revenue, had this big plan, and people on this radio station, myself included, argued against Pat McCrory about whether or not the South Corridor light rail line was worth the money. Was the juice worth the squeeze? And his point was, uh, it's always about options. The problem is you had transit advocates who get up there and make all of these promises about how it's going to relieve congestion. But it doesn't. When's the last time you've been down South Boulevard? Is that better or worse now? Better or worse? Better or I feel like I'm at the eye doctor. Better or worse? <laughs> Better or yeah, worse. But that's the point. The point is to make it so bad that people get on the train and they start using the train for more trips or they get on the scooters, which by the way, when we did the mass transit plan, and this is one of the things that government is never good at uh, accounting for, which is seeing around corners, you know, knowing that at some point within the near future, as we're building the light rail system, hey, a company shows up and just starts dropping scooters all around town. So people now have this option to ride scooters. Seems to me, it seems to me like you could partner with them at your train stops, right? You put them around there, and then people can use the, the scooters to and fro. But um, Anthony Fox needed the streetcar, because he needed the East Siders. And the East Side of Charlotte was very, very upset because Independence Boulevard is terrible. Independence Boulevard is terrible and always has been. And it's like, it doesn't, like, are we making that thing an interstate or what? Right? So they want light rail. They've wanted light rail down that line, down Independence, and they got buses. And they didn't like buses. 
because bus stops can be moved willy-nilly, which makes them flexible, they're cost-effective, it's cheaper, and you're able to adapt as a system. But what the light rail line does is that's economic development. And so that's what the east side wanted. They wanted a light rail line. But the light rail line, the numbers didn't justify it. And so in the race for mayor, when Pat McCrory said he was not running again for re-election, the race for mayor was between John Lasseter and Anthony Fox. Lasseter, the Republican, Fox, the Democrat. And Anthony Fox, at the city council, they were both at-large city council members, and Fox got his Democrats, his Democratic colleagues, to vote for the streetcar project to leapfrog ahead of other projects. Because that was the payoff to the East Siders. He told them he was going to run that streetcar to the East. And he became mayor. I don't, I don't know if it was strictly because of that, but probably had something to do with it. And John Lasseter making the argument that the numbers don't justify it. You should not be doing this. And that probably angered some people over there, too. And they also promised, we're going to look at the light rail. We want to see if we can get light rail down there. And Anthony Fox won mayorship that then he parlayed into a, uh, a trip to D.C. to work for the Obama administration as the transportation secretary. Remember that? I mean, he's no Pete Booty gig, but whatever. Um, and then from there, he went into the private sector again. He'll maybe resurface at some point. But that's I mean, that was really the important thing. I mean, so what? So what? So we wasted hundreds of millions of dollars. Right. Okay, and fine. It has now soured Raleigh's opinion of what was a bipartisan and pretty impressive success story on the Charlotte Transit plan. But it got Anthony Fox a gig, and I think really that's the key here. I think we should not lose sight of the fact that Anthony Fox benefited, even if it means the entire city does not. Right? There is another component here. Charlotte leaders need to completely rethink how they approach transit and how they talk about it. To have any chance of buy-in from the state, it needs to be focused on easing congestion and making it easier to get around within the region. And that means highways, too. So, And this is what Speaker Tim Moore said. Road building. Now, the opponents say, no, you build more roads, they're just going to get full. So I don't know, maybe... Ooh, how about scooters for everybody? We just buy scooters for everybody. Ooh, I have another idea. Hang on. All right. All right. Hang on. Hang on. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. All right. Talking about the Charlotte Transportation Plan, Speaker of the House said, look, you guys are asking us for approval to put a penny sales tax increase on the uh, up for a referendum. It's like a $13 billion plan. And uh, the Speaker of the House is like, you're spending too much money on things like uh, uh, bike lanes and, uh, and buses and rail transit. You need to spend more of this money on roads. And outrage has ensued. So it doesn't look like they're going to get anywhere on the... Um, uh, uh, on this uh, on this pitch. But I think I have a solution. No, it's not a monorail. I have a solution. All right, but first, let me get Christy on here. Hello, Christy. Welcome to the program. How are you? 
I am good. I think we need smart lights. I'm a school bus driver that drives all over town. None of the lights are timed conveniently so that you can, so that traffic will flow. Idlewild is horrible. The people that live there, I don't know how they get on and off of their street. They won't, I've requested actually as a bus driver that somebody take a look at putting in, uh, red lights. Uh, nothing happens. I haven't seen anything. Idlewild, um, EWT Harris, those are the roads that I hang out on. Mm-hmm. It also makes me wonder if they go out and observe the, tra- the, the traffic, um, and maybe uh, they should get out there and check it out themselves to see what the traffic is like, because the existing light, light system uh, could be timed better. I think I will give you for me. This is the the one that I encounter every single day and every single day I encounter it. It turns red as you approach Donald Ross drive or or road. You know which one that is? It's right by the C.W. Williams Center by this by the Charlotte Mecklenburg School bus depot over there on Wilkinson Boulevard. It's that stupid light that they put up to protect the left turn going away from the city, going away from town, going towards Gastonia, and they put in that dedicated left lane so you can make the turn onto Donald Ross. But that that light coming the other direction, coming from Gastonia into Charlotte, there's a red light about 100 feet away from it. And every single time that the first red light turns green, the second one at Donald Ross turns red. It is asinine. And it's a, it is a perfect example of what you're talking about, this failure to... Time lights to move traffic better. Exactly. Smart lights is what I call them. And I think that it's all over the place. It is. These green green arrow lights, unbelievable how uh, at night especially they'll be yellow, flashing yellow. When you got traffic coming, you're supposed to turn left. It's amazing there aren't more accidents than there are. It's shameful. I would also say there are some uh, some intersections. I know of one right off the top of my head right now, which is uh, you get to the top of you get to the the light. The the left turn, the protected green, is only like three seconds long, and you can see down the road. You can you got clear distance for like half a mile, so you can see every car coming, and that is like it's like a three second protected green, and then you have to wait through all of the light cycles rather than getting a, a blinking orange. To make a, a left turn, even though you have there's nothing blocking your sight lines for half a mile down the road, but you're not allowed to make that left hand turn. Just silliness. I find it. I find it hard to believe that technology that it exists today cannot handle that. Oh, it can, Christy. I will tell you, uh, this would have been probably late '90s. Driving into went to see Grateful Dead with Bob Dylan opening for him, and uh, we drove into D.C. to go to RFK Stadium and. I remember the lights were all timed, and they had signs that said, if you drive 35 miles an hour, you will get every green light. So maintain 35 miles an hour. They, the, the technology's been around for 30 years. Why we don't implement oh, it. Well, maybe we, should, maybe we should spend a couple million dollars trying to figure that out. <laughs> maybe so. Yeah. No. Either that or a big statue like they got up in Boston for MLK. All right, uh, Christy, thanks for the call. I do appreciate it. Uh, all right, I said I had the solution. I've got a solution here. All right. So we've got a lot of people. They're going all different ways and stuff, right? But building fixed rail 
It's very, very expensive. Okay. So sort of along the lines of sort of train meets uh, scooter. All right. So you got the scooters. You can ride them all around. Right. You pair them up with ski lifts. Hmm? Yeah. They'd have like a bar on them. And so you would ride up and you would hook up to the ski lift. And then you would just hold on to the scooter and it would just lift you up above. And so we would just have all the, they would have all these tracks moving all around for like the main lines. And so you get on your scooter, you whiz all around and you just hold on. I mean, we obviously would need to come up with some sort of a seatbelt arrangement, some mechanism so you don't fall off the scooter from really, you know, staggering heights. That might be a bad idea. But, um, uh, look, we're working out the details. we got to engineer this thing. We're going to science the crap out of it. Absolutely. There are no bad ideas under this cone of creativity, as I always say. So, smart, you got the birds or whatever they call them, the bird. Is that what it is? The, the, the scooters. And they have like an attachment or something, maybe like a big hook. How about that? So like it comes with a, like a telescopic hook that comes up from the center post thing on the handlebars. You know, you're like, oh, hey, I'm at the main line. This is the main line to go into Uptown. And you hit that little button and it extends that telescopic hook all the way up. And then it hooks onto the, uh, onto the, the ski lift apparatus. And then it just takes you. And it takes you directly to wherever it is that you're going. And then when you want to get off, you just, you hit, well, right, I got to work on the landing. So I got to work on the landing science part of it. But I think I'm on to something. I think this could work. Hello, Chris. Welcome to the show. Hey, Pete. How you doing today? Hey, I'm good. What's going on? First of all, I love the show. Thank you, sir. Uh, you do an excellent job. Um, but uh, I was calling about the smart lights. Yeah. Um, I've actually installed uh, traffic signals for NCDOT, SCDOT, S- and uh, CDOT for the last 25 years. Please tell me um, that we have smart lights. Well, we do have smart lights. Uh, the city of Charlotte, uh, they are working on getting uh, fiber optic cable to, uh, to the traffic signals throughout Charlotte uh, so that they can, they can uh, coordinate the timings on the lights. Uh, a lot of the problems that you're having is, is because of loop failures and what a loop is it's a traffic sensor that's cut into the road yeah um and with those loops they go out uh you have folks that that they put a water tap in and they dig the loop up in the road the loop goes out uh and charlotte does have crews uh that that um go out and recut the traffic sensors uh and what those traffic sensors do is is they number one they they can use that to uh to have to generate data uh, for numbers of cars that are coming through. So mm-hmm. they do what's called traffic count. Right. Um, CDOT, they've got a, a, a whole lab of folks that uh, um, they're dedicated to making the lights work like they should. Um, and with the lady that was on earlier, she was talking about, you know, they need to come out and see. They don't need to come out and see. They've got observation cameras at almost every intersection that there is in the city of Charlotte that they look at and they can, they can adjust traffic flows uh, per needed basis. So did they just uh, hate people in that area and they just don't want to, to fix the lights for her? Well, no, they, they, uh, it might be something that they, you know, maybe somebody's dug up the, uh, fiber optic cable. Mm. Uh, there's a lot of construction going on in that area. 
could be somebody's dug up that fiber optic cable and uh, and broken it. Mm-hmm. Uh, that we run into that a lot in the industry where you know there's a lot of construction yeah. around. People don't do what they're supposed to do and call their locates in, and they dig up our traffic sensors. They dig up our fiber optic cable. Uh, you know, it could be a number of things. Um, most of the time, general rule of thumb is that they try to get twenty to thirty platoon cars and a platoon to go through an inter- to go through a, in, any given system at one time. Hmm. Um, so with that, uh, speed does you, you hit it right on the head. Speed does play a, a, a role in it. Uh, so if if it's a posted forty five mile an hour speed limit, if you'll run forty two to forty five then that's what the sweet spot is for them when they go to do all of the, the uh, algorithms. All right, a, a real quick, Chris, what, what, what's going on with yep. Donald Ross Road? What's up with Donald that? Donald Ross Road. The reason that Donald Ross Road is, is always on red when you come to it is because the loops are not working. Ah! <laughs> all right, so could, yeah. can, can, you, can you do me a solid and, and hook us up there, or what? Can you help I, us out? I could try. I could try. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. Very informative, Chris. I appreciate. Oh, what'd you think of the? Uh, you like my scooter idea? You Love could, the scooter you could, idea. Yeah, you could Although use I'm, that. I'm not a big scooter fan because I uh, took a tumble in in uh, in DC. No, oh. uh, with the, where the uh, the um, sidewalks were not exactly level with each other. Yeah, and uh, so scooters and, and big guys like me really don't get along. <laughs> <laughs> well, how about this? Bigger scooters. Bigger scooters, bigger, bigger tired scooters. That probably would work. Yeah, like like monster scooters, monster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like big tires go. on it. You get multiple people on it, then you could ride together on the ski lift. Uh, shock absorbers on it. Yeah, the, the big guys like me. There you go. Absolutely, uh, Chris. That, I that, I appreciate the call, man. Thank you. Thanks. All, All right. right. Have a great day. You too. Yeah. Stay safe out there. Widespread panic. Hey, what are you doing on Friday? It's the 31st annual Union County Crime Stoppers Barbecue. We'll be broadcasting all day, 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. I'm going to be there. I mean, I'm not going to be broadcasting all day. I am a mere actor in the larger play. 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. I will be there noon to 3 as normal. The event kicks off at 11 a.m. It's going to be live music. We're going to have appearances by several local, state, and federal representatives where I will pitch them on my uh, Sky Scooter idea. Presentation also of the Law Enforcement Officer of the Year and, of course, yes, barbecue. It's the 31st Annual Union County Crime Stoppers Barbecue this Friday, January 20th. It's at the Union County Ag and Events Center in Monroe. Details, UnionCountyCrimestoppers.com slash BBQ. UnionCountyCrimestoppers.com slash BBQ. Come on by, say hi. Hello, Stan. Welcome to the show. How's it going? Uh, uh, Pete, I wanted to ask you a question. Sure. I'm sure you've heard the story about the Matthews Police Department. Yeah, and uh, some slight miscalculations of their uh, crime stats. Yes, about that. Um, What do you think about the fact that police officers will actually lie to us, the public? The public that they trust that we trust the police officers they lie to us. What does that say about uh, any testimonies they may have given or not given in court? Well, I mean that would pose problems if it's. I mean if it's done for the nefarious purpose, right? If they're if they're intentionally deceiving, 
then right. yeah, that you could know, be. In, so if we know the police officers will do that, if people go say that a preponderance of the evidence, the preponderance of the evidence against someone was totally police officers' testimony, like substantiating they have probable cause or other things like that. And wouldn't there need to be like any of the officers who, who were found to have done that? Wouldn't that negate almost any uh, types not, of? Uh, well, I mean, not necessarily. Because if I, because if I, rec- I mean, I read the story this morning, and I'm trying to remember all of the details, but uh, I think it was a BTV or yeah, I think it was a WBTV's uh, site. But the, as, if I recall, it was a da- it's data collection on clearance rates that, and it's not necessarily. It's not something that's going to get them giglioed, right, in, in court where they can't testify right. any longer. So I, I don't know if that's the case. Uh, but uh, maybe we'll talk about it tomorrow. I can hear the music starting up, and that means i got to go. But if you hear, you know, nothing else from this program today. Scooter ski lifts. Let's make this happen, Charlotte. All right, we'll see you tomorrow. Don't break anything while I'm gone.